Hello everyone. Before we start today's podcast, some exciting news for you. You can experience the Inside Politics podcast live in Dublin on May 16th when Hugh Linehan, Jennifer Bray and I will be joined by Cliff Young of Ipsos, one of America's top pollsters, to talk about the US election, our own local and European elections and much more. It's a breakfast event kicking off at 8am in Trinity College. If you'd like to attend, you can get tickets at irishtimes.com forward slash events. That's irishtimes.com forward slash events. I hope we see lots of you there. It's Wednesday, June the 30th, and you're very welcome to the Inside Politics podcast from the Irish Times. I'm Harry McGee, sitting in this week for Hugh Linehan. Today, we're going to do a potted history of Irish by-elections, and if they tell us anything, or nothing, about the state of the national political situation. I'm delighted to be joined by Gary Murphy, Professor of Politics at DCU, who is also the author of a major biography on Charles J. Hawhey, which is due to be published later this year. Uh, Good morning, Gary, and welcome to the podcast, and thanks very much for joining me. Good morning, Harry. Happy to be here. So we're going to look at a peculiar feature of Irish uh, politics uh, by-elections, and there have been quite a a lot of them, uh, over 50 uh, since the uh, since the early 1970s, and each of them tells a kind of a peculiar and unusual tale. So we're going to have a look at them and try to kind of uh, winkle out uh, some truths uh, and uh, some fallacies uh, that relate to by-elections. And uh, seeing that you're the uh, author of this uh, biography of Charles Hawhey, there's no better place to start, perhaps, than going right back to 1979, uh, late in the year, uh, when two by-elections were held uh, that were very critical uh, for the future of uh, the fates of uh, two people in Fianna Fáil, Jack Lynch and Charles Hawhey. So perhaps you can describe uh, those by-elections and the consequences that flowed from them. Yeah, thanks, Harry. As you said, about 50 by-elections in the last uh, couple of decades, but I think 130 over just about that figure since the foundation of the state and probably no two more uh, important by-elections than Cork City and... um, Cork uh, North East, I think, in uh, in 1979. Um, Jack Lynch, remember, had won a huge majority of 20 seats at the 1977 uh, general election, the famous Bring Back Jack, uh, after he had uh, lost power in, in 73 to the National Coalition of Fine Gael uh, and Labour. He had brought Hawhey back to the front bench in January of 1975 after Hawhey's purgatory in the post-arms trial uh, era. And um, yeah, there was two deaths, Labour's uh, Pat Kerrigan and Sean Brosnan of uh, of Fianna Fáil, uh, both sadly died earlier in 1979. And by November, the the government had decided to uh, move the writs, have the uh, by-elections. But in the course of the the two years, um, the infectious enthusiasm across the state for Lynch uh, had dissipated. There was a tremendous lethargy uh, uh, in both those by-elections from Fianna Fáil's perspective. And they basically ran a pretty hopeless campaigns. The big thing about it, of course, is Lynch, uh, although he lived in Dublin in Ratgar, um, he was of Cork. Uh, Cork City was his uh, his homeland. Uh, he was associated with Cork, famous hurler and footballer, as we know, in the 40s, five All-Ireland medals in a row. Um, and to lose in Cork City particularly, uh, his candidate, John Dennehy, uh, a steel worker in Irish Steel, uh, lost to, uh, to Liam Burke. Uh, who went on to have a relatively uh, good career, I think, uh, for Fine Gael. But the, the shock across the political system uh, 
uh, was quite enormous. Now, remember also, Lynch had been thinking of uh, of going uh, for some time. He had been Taoiseach, first of all, in 1966, when he replaced the uh, Lamas, uh, won the 69 election, where Hottie was his director of elections, out in 73, back in, in 77. And by 79, he certainly had been thinking of, uh, of moving on. Uh, George Colley was his uh, preferred uh, candidate. But the big thing was the enormous amount of uh, backbenchers that there was, 50-odd backbenchers, um, many of them elected for the first time in 77, worried about their seats uh, and worried uh, what would happen in the, in the next election, June 1982. Uh, and the loss of those two seats to Fine Gael um, set off the dynamic over the following month where Lynch would resign uh, on the 5th of December 1979 and two days later to the one month to the, the defeat in Cork, uh, Charles Hawhey, um rather sensationally to a lot of people, but certainly not to himself, uh, won the um, the Fianna Fáil leadership election against George Colley, uh, 44 votes to 38, and the rest is history. Now, was that particular by-election, was it breaking point for Lynch at the time, Gary, or was that decision an impromptu decision uh, of his own? Could he have lasted for a while longer, perhaps a year uh, longer, if he had not made uh, that uh, dramatic decision uh, a month later that he was going to stand down. Yeah, he he could certainly have uh, gone on into 1980. And I think the expectation uh, was that uh, he would go on. Uh, but the reason he did call the this kind of snap leadership election, and he was encouraged to do so by Colley, Des O'Malley, uh, Seamus Brennan uh, and others was that they feared that Hockey would get even more stronger uh, in opposition, well, not in opposition, but as uh, in opposition to Collie, let's say, um, and that uh, the the backbenchers. And remember, we're talking about people like who became household names afterwards: uh, Sean Doherty, Albert Reynolds, Mark Killalay, uh, Jackie Fahey. Uh, these rural backbenchers. These were the. Uh, rather than Dublin, these were these were Hockey's people. Um, so the snap election, it was assumed, uh, would catch uh, Hockey unprepared, and and it, it it did a little bit. I mean, in my forthcoming book, I, I have a large section about the leadership, as one might imagine. The received wisdom is of sort of Hockey uh, cajoling for months, uh, bullying people. Uh, I there, there's certainly more to it, uh, more to it than that. But Lynch, I think, went early in 79. And when we're talking about a two-day election campaign between the, the, the 5th and the 7th uh, to try and ensure that George Colley would win and hoping to catch uh, Hockey unprepared. But Colley himself uh, was equally as unprepared, although he thought he had prepared better than he actually uh, had. OK, so that's the first phenomenon that I can see of a by-election, that its consequences play out in internal party dynamics. It bolsters up a leadership or it can put paid uh, to a leadership. And there were a few critical by-elections, for example, that I recall uh, in and around 2000 and 2001 that became critical uh, for the survival of John Bruton when he was leader of Fine Gael. So even though uh, the implications of the by-elections were very little on a national level, uh, within the internal dynamics of a party, uh, they became very uh, important. And that's one, one of the things that a trend or a trope that we can see in terms of, of Irish politics and by-elections, Gary. You, yeah, you, you could see it even later on with Brian Cohen um, uh, in late 2010 when Pierre Starty, another household name, uh, won that election in, uh, in Donegal. We can come back to that later on if you want, Harry. But again, the, the, the importance of that was this 
presaged the sort of collapse of the uh, of the Fianna Fáil uh, Green uh, coalition in uh, in early 2011, the resignation of Cowan and the coming to uh, uh, the leadership of Fianna Fáil of Micheál Martin. Okay, and then we come to the the second kind of characteristic. This is a by election uh, as something that's that's a a, a unique uh, event that that's. That, that turns on its own characteristics. And in this characteristics, we're talking about a good old fashioned uh, stroke. And this is the 1982 uh, by-election in uh, Dublin West, uh, where Charles J. Hawley was Taoiseach at the time and was defending a, a, a minority government. And he came up with a ruse uh, that would allow him uh, uh, make that minority into a majority government. Perhaps you could describe that by-election and its consequences uh, as you see it, Gary. Yeah, so Hawhey uh, fought six by-elections and, and won five of the six, uh, Harry. Uh, but the one he's known for losing, uh, famously, is uh, Dublin West. Uh, I live in Dublin West uh, here, um, sort of Brian Lenehan country. Uh, Brian Lenehan senior and junior, of course, uh, were both distinguished representatives of uh, of this constituency. Um, the February 1982 election... Um, was the second of those three elections in, in 18 uh, months. Hawhey had lost power in June of 81. Uh, the coalition government ha- had fell. Um, there was a an election in February of, uh, of 1982. Uh, Hawhey had uh, missed again an overall majority, and um, but he formed a minority government. This is famously with support from uh, Tony Gregory, as you might remember, and the listeners will remember, also Sinn Féin, the Workers' Party, had three uh, TDs who uh, who voted for Hockey uh, as Taoiseach uh, in in February of eighty two, but never really supported him, and were the were those who ultimately pulled him down uh, in November, leading to the third of those uh, three elections in eighteen um, months. So a vacancy um, came in the European Commission. And Dick Burke, who had been previously a commissioner, Fine Gael, a TD, uh, how he saw an opportunity, as you said, a good, a good old fashioned uh, stroke. His idea was he would ask Burke to uh, take the position of commissioner uh, with the expectation that Fianna Fáil would win the subsequent by-election in, uh, in Dublin West. Uh, Burke had initially turned him, him down, um, how he persuaded him. To take eventually take the position, uh, Burke had been uh, completely shocked and assailed uh, by, um, or he was shocked by the assailing he he took from his uh, his fellow Fine Gael uh, TDs who were completely appalled at uh, at the expectation that he would take uh, the offer of the European Commissionership uh, from from Hockey. Um So after some toing and froing and some indecision, Burke finally did take. The uh, the European Commissionership leaving the the seat in uh, Dublin West vacant, and uh, Hawhey and Fianna Fáil were fully confident that they uh, would win it. They nominated Eileen Lamas, you know, the Lamas name uh, royalty in Fianna Fáil, and Fianna Gael nominated a um, a chap called Liam Skelly. Uh, Gareth Fitzgerald, leader of Fianna Gael, had never even heard of Liam Skelly until he was told that Skelly would be the candidate uh, in uh, in Dublin West. And, you know, like, like many of these um, by-elections, it didn't go to, to plan. Uh, there was increases in PRSI. Um, there was complaints all across the constituency about uh, jobs. There was a huge jobs crisis, as we know, in the early 1980s. There was high inflation. Uh, and Fianna Fáil never, never saw their defeat, uh, their defeat coming. Um, Lamas topped the poll, uh, but Skelly was close enough to her uh, to or 
uh, to overtake her on, on transfers. Tomás Miguel, actually, uh, leader of the uh, Sinn Féin Workers' Party, although not in the Dáil, had polled reasonably uh, well uh, as well. And the, uh, the result was, uh, in many ways, uh, calamitous for, uh, for Hockey. He didn't get the extra seat. I would have given him some extra uh, support uh, in the Dáil. Uh, and he had lost patronage within Fianna Fáil itself. He couldn't nominate, obviously, a Fianna Fáil TD because he didn't have the numbers and he wasn't enamoured by anyone outside of the uh, of the firmament, so to speak. Uh, and the result was uh, a calamitous defeat. That happened in May. He won an election in uh, Dublin or in Galway uh, a couple of months later. But people remember Dublin West, uh, as you said, the stroke, certainly, but also the defeat uh, by November 82, uh, his government had uh, had collapsed, and he found himself out of office until uh, until eighty seven. And w- w- is it your own analysis, um, Gary, that the the electorate saw through the stroke and voted uh, accordingly? That they they essentially called Fianna Fáil and Charles Hawley out on that, and their vote was motivated uh, by their displeasure at at such a stroke being be, being pulled in the name of democracy. Well, I think that's part of it. I, I would, I wouldn't oversell it, uh, Harry. Uh, and Fine Gael certainly played on the uh, uh, on that point. Um, I mean, it was a bit tricky for Fine Gael as well because obviously it was their man who had taken the the position. How he sold Burke as a previous European commissioner who had vast experience of the sort of uh, the European bureaucracy uh, would get a good uh, commissionership uh, and would be an important sort of national player uh, and defending Ireland's interest on the on the international uh, scene it was difficult for Fine Gael to sort of attack uh, their own man but certainly on the on the doorsteps they they kept bringing it up and remember how his character was uh, constantly a feature uh, of elections during his time as uh, uh, as leader of Fianna Fáil because he led a divided party. I mean, he didn't really have a united party until 87. Uh, in 1982, uh, he still had the enmity uh, fully of people like Holly uh, O'Malley, Martin O'Donoghue. Um, but I do think part of it was the, uh, the good denizens of Dublin West seeing that... Uh, you know, there was something not quite uh, quite right with them having to go and face a, a by-election just a couple of months after the general election because of uh, of a stroke, yeah. OK, so we move on to, to another um, characteristic, as I see it. I'm going to get quite technical here. It's, this is one is called giving the government a good old kicking uh, at a particular moment of time. And a statistic that has always stood out to me, Gary, is this one, that there have been 34 by-elections since 1982. You referred to the... Uh, one of the by-elections that Charles Hawley won, that was Noel Tracy winning Galway East in 1982 when Fianna Fáil was in government. And Noel Tracy, of course, is still a uh, a bright and present uh, personality in that constituency of Galway East, though he has retired from politics since then. But they won in 1982 and there have been 34 by-elections held since then. And of those, government parties have only won three and if you look at the three that they've won, uh, we look at another characteristic of Irish by-elections. It's a, if, if a person uh, dies in office, sadly, uh, often a relative will stand. And uh, in, in many cases, the relative, not all cases, but in many cases, the relative uh, has a very good chance of winning the seat. And we saw that happening happening in the case of Helen McEntee succeeding her father, Shane, in Meath East in 2014. And uh, Gabrielle McFadden, uh, succeeding her sister Nikki McFadden, who who sadly uh, died uh, uh, around the same time, and then the only other one that the government has won 
was after the passing of Brian Lenehan uh, Jr. Uh, in 2011. A by-election was, was held some months after that and it was won by the Labour Party. And Labour Party, I would argue, was kind of still enjoying the afterglow of its most successful election ever. Uh, if that uh, by-election had been held a year later, uh, I think uh, the Labour Party uh, would not have had a hope of uh, of retaining that particular um, uh, seat. So um, this this notion that it gives a government a kicking and then um, it doesn't really play out uh, when it comes to the succeeding general election. You gave an, uh, an example earlier on of Tom Hayes in 2001 uh, winning spectacularly for Fine Gael in Tipperary uh, South as it was then and uh, that not playing out at all in the subsequent uh, by-election uh, which Fianna Fáil handily won. Yeah, I mean, the Patrick Nulty one in 2011 is interesting. As you said, um, if that happened six to nine months later when, when the um, the Troika cuts hit, it's very hard to see him, uh, how he would have won. He was also on the left, remember, uh, of the uh, the Labour Party. He had run as Joan Burton's running mate in the... Uh, it's hard to think of Labour having a running mate now. Uh, but in Dublin, Wesley polled re- reasonably well in the uh, in the February election. He was the obvious candidate, although on the left and sceptical of, of coalition, um and he uh, yeah he won he he beat off uh, Ruth Coppinger who then took the seat after uh, Nulty resigned uh, due to various personal circumstances um but also remember Fianna Fáil were still in you know political purgatory after the um the bailout the troika um and uh notwithstanding the sympathy that there was in the constituency for Brian Lennon. Remember, Brian Lennon was the only Fianna Fáil politician to win a seat in, uh, in Dublin in the, uh, in the February 2011 general election. Quite extraordinary when you, uh, when you think of it. I mean, Hottie would have been appalled uh, at the, the collapse of Dublin uh, or the Fianna Fáil vote uh, in Dublin. Um, yeah, so I think that's interesting. The, um, yeah, Tom Hayes, remember, this was June of 2001. Why, why this is interesting is this is the first time Fianna Fáil don't come first or second um, in, a, in a by-election. Uh, they actually came third. Their candidate, uh, Michael Maguire, uh, was uh, eliminated um, before I think Labour's Phil Pendergast and uh, Tom Hayes uh, of Fine Gael won the uh, won the seat. That was in June of uh, two thousand and one. Uh, the following uh, May, uh, Bertie Hearn came agonisingly close uh, to winning an overall majority, which I think people like me and you and other lots of uh, people who consider themselves politically uh, aware. Uh, and maybe even sophisticated uh, thought could never be done, and well, it wasn't done. But he came, he came pretty close uh, in two thousand and two, uh, perhaps defeated by uh, Michael McDowell and his famous poll uh, in Ranelagh. And uh, yeah, and uh, no one really remembers uh, Tipperary South and the the implications uh, of it. Remember, it came during a difficult time for the government. Um, summer of two thousand one was quite difficult for it. There were uh, various allegations. The tribunals were ongoing, of course, and there was things coming out of those tribunals that infected Fianna Fáil in particular. Um, but in the long run, it had very little, uh, very little significance. Uh, some by-elections are, are more significant than others. And while at the time it looked at a presage, the might have presaged the sort of demise of um, of that government, uh, that certainly didn't happen. You might remember, of course, that from 1997 onwards, people were saying that the Fianna Fáil PD government uh, wouldn't last. And as it turned out, I think it became the longest lasting government in the history of the state. 
Okay, just um, uh, uh, another thing um, is, so even though sometimes they don't have any implication for for the national election that follows, there are moments when a a by-election captures a particular zeitgeist. And I'm thinking in particular of 2004, uh, the by-election in Dublin Southwest, uh, where Sinn Féin was expected because it was very strong in that constituency even then was expected to, to, to win that by-election, uh, but they were usurped by uh, Paul Murphy. And that came totally on the back of, of the campaign that he uh, and his party had been conducting uh, in relation to, to the water charges. So that water charges saw Paul Murphy catapult or somersault uh, as Sinn Féin. Uh, he actually finished second at the end of the poll, but he actually overcame Cahill King in subsequent counts to win the seat. So occasionally you'll see a, a, a by-election. It's almost like an opinion poll. It's a snapshot in time that, that this, this accurately reflects the feeling or the sentiments of the electorate at this particular moment in time. Maybe six months down the road, the dynamic will have changed. But at this moment in time, that's the zeitgeist. And that's what Paul Murphy captured in 2014. Yeah, he did. And, and the other interesting thing about that was he, uh, I, I think candidates matter. Um, and Paul Murphy, uh, as we know, you know, he's been in public life now for since he won that uh, by-election in 2014. Uh, very eloquent, very articulate, very trenchant in his views. And uh, I think Sinn Féin chose the wrong candidate. Uh, and Cottle King didn't perform very well on the uh, on the campaign trail, on the stump. Uh, he was uh, generally perceived as a, a weak candidate in t- television uh, and radio uh, debates. I remember him on... Uh, a rather chaotic show uh, that Vincent Brown held on his... Um, Where Vincent uh, Brown shows ever anything but chaotic. Well, anything but, uh, but on on TV with, uh, you know, and uh, uh, he uh, he was pretty poor, I thought, and I, I think that was the general feeling. Uh, but there was also the feeling that the brand would sort of see him home, and uh, and it didn't. Uh, and as you say, Murphy, uh, water charges were a huge issue. Uh, they remained... Uh, a huge issue, uh, and Paul Murphy has built his uh, career uh, on the back of it. Now he would say that, it, of course, it's much wider than water charges. His his campaign, um, perpetual campaign in terms of uh, of his own political agenda. But uh, yeah, the by election was was really uh, crucial uh, for him. It was an interesting election in the fact that no one considered. Um, that the Fianna Gael or Fianna Fáil candidates had uh, had much of a chance, which was interesting, I think, in and of itself. But Dublin South West, as we know, pretty strong uh, left wing constituency for uh, uh, for a number of years. Yeah, I, I think John Lehart, the Fianna Fáil candidate, only got eight percent in in that particular by election, which showed you how how low Fianna Fáil stock had fallen at that particular moment. Uh, going back to that nineteen eighty two by election, one of the uh, things that struck me about it uh, was that between them. Uh, Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil got 80% of the vote. There were only, it was a complete two-horse race. Everybody else was, was all but excluded. So it shows you how much the, the respective fortunes of both parties has fallen over subsequent decades. Yeah, it's quite extraordinary. I mean, we started talking about 1979, but if you look at the 1977 election, um, you had Fianna Fáil, Fine Gael and Labour. And you really didn't have very many others. Uh, you had a few odd... Uh, sort of fringe right-wing Catholic groups, a couple of independents, uh, people like Noel Brown. Um, you had Sinn Féin, the Workers' Party, trying to make their breakthrough. But beyond that, there was literally nobody else. It was the classic two-and-a-half-party uh, system. I think what uh, what strikes any observer of Irish politics here in 2021 is the, the multiplicity of parties. I um, I actually drove through um, Dublin-based South 
uh, to bring my uh, sick dog out to UCD uh, yesterday and again this morning. And uh, you see the posters now, the Greens, the Social Democrats, um, who are both uh, running energetic, although I think probably futile campaigns. Um, but yeah, the multiplicity of parties. The, I, I mean, we have seen the collapse of the old party system. Um, the sort of the loyalties of the Hohe days, the Fitzgerald days are, are long gone. Now, we'll, we'll alight briefly like a, a butterfly on a flower to consider another celebrity candidate just for a second. And that was George Lee in 2009, who, who had a brief foray into politics before uh, exiting quite hastily stage left back to RTE. But he came. I mean, he, his brand was so strong that he just whumped that by-election. He got 53% of first preferences and easily uh, won on the first count. And it could be argued that Jane Ross, uh, who succeeded him uh, uh, in that kind of leading role in in Dublin South, which became Dublin Rockdown, was also a celebrity uh, who arrived onto the scene. So sometimes for a by-election, a celebrity name does does help. Um, There aren't too many of them. And I think it backfired on Fine Gael uh, uh, afterwards. And I think nobody has really tried that experiment since. But it certainly worked for them in 2009. Yeah, I mean, 2009, the context there, of course, is the uh, the bank guarantee scheme of 2000, September 2008, uh, the collapse in the uh, in the economy, the uh, the looming threat, uh, which sadly came to happen of the uh, of the IMF, the Troika, Um and George Lee ran record as saying that uh, he said he felt he owed it to his children and his uh, soon-to-be grandchildren that uh, he had to make a, make a stand. Always considered himself Fine Gael, I think. Um, yeah, and Rom Tom as the, um, as the celebrity uh, candidate. Um, problem for him and for Fine Gael was that they didn't know what to do with him uh, when he arrived at the gates of, uh, of Leinster House. I think he expected to be uh, vaunted straight on to the, uh, the front bench. Uh, but poor George Lee did have a very frustrating experience. And, you know, many TDs, this happened to them, Harry. Um, not even from Dublin. But if you look at rural Ireland, they... They rock up to the doll when they're elected. There's great jubilation. Their family are with them in the uh, in the VIP section, uh, in the po or the pre-COVID days. Uh, then suddenly the following week they're there and they they don't know what to do. Um, most of them can't wait to get back to their constituencies. Uh, and this has been a problem for for decades. And uh, I think in Dublin Lee was a sort of a victim of this. He didn't know what he wanted to do. Fine Gael certainly didn't know what they wanted to do. Uh, with a man he had a very unhappy uh, experience and was quite happy to get back to uh, uh, to RT in a different capacity to what he had been. He was a household name, of course, because he, uh, I mean, he was the voice of doom around the um, the collapse of the economy in uh, in two thousand and eight. Like in one way, I I have some respect for him. Well, no, I have a lot of respect for him because you know more than people like me, uh, he was prepared to put himself uh, forward to the electorate to make a difference. It didn't work out. And uh, and he moved. Uh, he moved on. And Fine Gael themselves, of course, moved on. He he reflected at the end that he'd been reduced to the role of uh, of a show pony, and he he was gone within a year. I think within nine months. He was. It was quite extraordinary. He um, and of course, didn't he beat uh, Seamus Brennan's son? I mean, we talked about uh, about families uh, when we when we mentioned Helen McEntee, former student of mine, and uh, Gabriel McFadden. I think. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, was Shay Brennan was his uh, was was the Fianna Fáil runner? Yeah, Shay Brennan yeah. was was beaten into third place. Uh, Alex White stood for the Labour Party, and Alex White came in second place in that by-election. That's right. You know, so it, it certainly is the case that uh, 
I mean, we we talked about sort of dynasties and uh, wives or children um, following in the footsteps of maybe sadly deceased husbands and fathers. Um, but it doesn't always, of course, uh, uh, work out like that. And uh, that was one of these uh, these cases. Okay, we'll turn our, our mind now to to uh, actually. We'll just before we do that, we'll just look to other uh, um, uh, by elections uh, and just look at the just. Two, two interesting trends. Uh, you're talking about candidate selection. Uh, Piers Doherty was perfect candidate for, for Sinn Féin in, in, in late 2010. And it's always been my contention uh, that his singular action of winning that high court action and the subsequent huge victory he had in, in the by-election, uh, Sinn Féin wasn't going anywhere particularly fast. And he gave him that kind of momentum uh, or impetus uh, to really progress uh, in the 2011 uh, a general election and make um, make very, very significant gains. Priority, in some senses, was the enzyme uh, to create a, a, a larger Sinn Féin after 2011. I don't know what your own reflections are on that, Gary. Yeah, that's very interesting. That, that was the old Pat de Cope Gallagher seat. Uh, and when Pat de Cope went to the European Parliament, the, um, the seat became vacant and it was vacant for... I mean, you know, a year and a half. I mean, it was quite extraordinary, and really, in one way, a denial. I think of the uh, the rights of the citizens of Donegal to be uh, uh, adequately represented. I think this is what the courts uh, basically decided in forcing the uh, the government to to eventually move uh, move the writ again. The importance of candidates: Doherty, uh, young, enthusiastic, uh, articulate, eloquent, and sort of angry as well. I think the angry young man of Donegal politics at the time. Um, he might have mellowed a little bit. He'd probably give out about my description of it. <laughs> he has tried to mellow a bit, but he's still a bit shouty. Indeed, but he, um, you know, there was a big boost, of course, uh, for Sinn Féin. Uh, it's interesting, uh, three decades earlier, we, like we started with Hockey, there was his, his very first electoral test was in Donegal when uh, Clem Coughlin won in a, a by-election in uh, in November of 18. Hockey was very nervous about that particular by-election and they kind of fall through all sorts of resources, uh, added promises of, you know, jobs and new schools and roads and the importance of infrastructure, all the jobs for uh, Killybigs fishing, the whole shebang. Um, three decades later, the, I mean, Sinn Féin, of course, we now think of them as a government in waiting after their great breakthrough in uh, in February of 2020. Doherty was important, but it, it still took them quite a significant amount of time to uh, to build up uh, that particular brand that uh, that they have now. And uh, But his seat now, we look at it, it's rock solid. I mean, uh, Donegal, they certainly had a setback when his, yeah, Porter McLaughlin lost his seat, but obviously won it back in 2020. And, uh, you know, it's uh, Donegal now in many ways is the heartland of Sinn Féin. Yeah, just um, a, a small reference to the another 2014 uh, by-election. It was Michael, Michael Fitzmaurice winning in Roscommon. And one of the reasons that's interesting is because he finished in second place and then overcame uh, Ivan Connaughton to win the seat, as happened with Paul Murphy and Cahill King in Dublin Southwest. But generally, uh, from what I can see, Gary, the person who finishes in first place after the first count is generally the person uh, who wins. And that might be germane uh, to the by-election that's happening next week. Uh, according to our poll, um, uh, James Gagan is out in front uh, with Ivana Bacic, uh close enough behind him, 27% to 22%, according to our poll. A smaller sample, uh, plus or, or, or minus a margin of error of 4.4%. So it can go 4.4% uh, either way. So it has to be uh, treated with, with, a, with a, a note of caution. Uh, so uh, transfers don't always 
mean that much in by-elections and you have to do really well in transfers if you're to overcome somebody, especially if they're more than three or four percentage points uh, ahead of you. And and the second thing that's that interesting uh, in, in terms of this um, by-election as well is that there was a narrative that was being played out by Fine Gael in relation to it being a, a straight fight uh, between itself and uh, Sinn Féin offering its voters a binary choice of, you know, Newbridge or nowhere, uh, 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 Fine Gael or, 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 or Sinn Féin. But that, that's, that's clearly not the case in this constituency. It's, it suited both parties, but it's not reflected by the reali- reality of this opinion poll. Yeah, so just uh, just on, on the history first, Harry. Um, Fitzmaurice, I think what's interesting there, of course, is he's an independent in the west of Ireland. Um, the old duopoly of Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael, long gone, I think epitomised by Fitzmaurice's uh, win on, in many ways, on a kind of a, a narrow enough uh, agenda. But, you know, this idea of the depopulation of the west, uh, the the, the forgetting of urban Ireland, of of rural Ireland, uh, and uh, has been an effective performer uh, ever since uh, in that role. And uh, that just goes to show, you know, that, uh, again, the, the old certainties of Irish politics are, are long, uh, long gone. Transfers, you remember another uh, good defender of the West, Michael Ring, uh, beat Beverly Cooper Flynn, I think, was it back in 1994? He, had, he was in second place, but, close enough to her uh, to overtake her. But in general, in PR, um, PR STV uh, plus one, our own unique style, uh, it's better to be ahead. I mean, we have famous examples like Cyprian Brady on Bertie's coattails when he only got 900 votes and you know, took out Mary uh, Mary Fitzpatrick uh, on Fianna Fáil uh, that famous time. But in general, I mean, Sean Donnelly, that guru, a doyen of uh, political scientists and Michael Gallagher would say the same, it's better to be ahead um, and particularly in a by-election, if you don't have a reasonably good first preference vote, you have uh, you have no chance. What's interesting, it seems to me, about the Dublin Bay South uh, election is uh, James Gagan, uh, many ways a sort of an unknown candidate. Uh, it was it's all this talk about Kate O'Connell and why didn't Fine Gael run her and Leo Radgar's protestations as this was a, a constituent decision sounded a bit hollow to me. Um, but he's running on the brand and his main challenger, Ivana Batchik, we see Labour at 3% in the polls and we see uh, Ivana Batchik now with a long and distinguished career um, of uh, supporting progressive causes back to her days in Trinity in the uh, in the mid-1980s on, on abortion rights. Um, is uh, is is close, and I think she might be uh, in a better position to pick up transfers than uh, than James Gagan. What interested me uh, on your poll, Harry, was that uh, Gagan seemed good on transfers as well. I think he was fifteen percent in comparison to Ivana Batchik's twenty five percent. I mean, if he can pick up transfers, you know, he it might just get him over uh, over the line. The other interesting thing, of course, was the the lack of impact. Uh, of uh, of the Sinn Féin candidate, uh, Lynn Boylan. Now, Lynn Boylan, as a former MEP, and of course her her loss in um in twenty nineteen caused a, a tremendous bout of introspection, uh, in Sinn Féin. Her the loss of her European seat and and your generally poor results in the local elections. Um, maybe the fact that she's not of the constituency is having uh, an impact. Um, we saw Chris Andrews, of course, formerly Fianna Fáil, get elected for Sinn Féin in uh, in the February 2020 uh, by-election. I think they would be disappointed by that poll. I think they would have expected her to poll better. I know in your column yesterday you talked about the potential of a shy 
Shinner vote uh, in some of the leafier suburbs. I would be a bit sceptical about that, Harry, I have to say. But this is a huge, uh, this is a huge by-election for Fine Gael. Um, think of it like this, you know, they had a disastrous the worst result in their history in uh, in February 2020 under Leo Radger, who when he, when he won the uh, Fine Gael leadership election against Simon Coveney in the summer of 2017, was seen as the sort of uh, the man who would lead Fine Gael to even greater heights. And that certainly hasn't uh, happened. And I think a defeat here, although I don't think it puts his leadership in any great uh, threat, uh, would certainly be a tremendous uh, blow to them. They would imagine Fine Gael in the heartland of Gareth Fitzgerald, the old Dublin South East, not having a, a TD. Unthinkable. Uh, but on your poll, uh, I think Ivana Batchik is in with a good shout. Yeah, and I, I, I think in just in terms of candidate selection, she seems to have been a a a good candidate selection by the Labour Party. By far the best. By by far, like there was talk maybe of Kevin Humphreys, who of course won a seat in twenty eleven with Rory Quinn. Twenty eleven, Fine Gael won two. Uh, Labour won two. All four seats in the constituency. Uh, uh, in the then government, so um, I think that was a very good call by uh, by Labour. And and to be fair to Sinn Fein and to Lynn Boyle, and I mean she is probably their most high profile non TD, and it certainly would make made sense I think uh, for them to uh, to put her forward. Also, the issue I think, of course, though, is if she was to win the seat, I can't imagine her running in Dublin base out at the next general election because they're not. No matter how well they poll, they're surely not going to win two seats. Um, and uh, one would have thought the sitting TD, Chris Andrews, is, uh, you know, that's his bailiwick around um, the inner city. So, yeah. Could I just maybe talk, perhaps, Harry, just before we go? Um, what other by election I think is important is November of 2019, just two months before the general election of February uh, 2020. Two indicators there, just I think listeners might be interested in one. Going back to Sinn Féin, Mark Ward's win in Dublin Midwest, masterminded by owner Bryn. And there was a lot of surprise when Mark Ward subsequently won uh, or kept the seat at the February 2020 election. So that that did presage the, the rise of Sinn Féin. But a cautionary word, Fianna Fáil won two of those four seats. They won in Cork North Central with uh, Porrick O'Sullivan and they won in Wexford uh, with Malcolm Byrne spawned a tremendous bullishness in Fianna Fáil uh, during the, uh, for, for an early election in, in 2020. And look how that turned out. Absolutely disastrous for them, although the result is they ended up in, in government. But in the government, they certainly didn't want, I think the expectation in Fianna Fáil was they would win 50 seats, maybe more, and would cobble together a coalition with uh, perhaps Social Democrats, Labour, the Greens. And uh, it didn't turn out that way. And in fact, poor Malcolm Bourne lost his seat in the uh, in the general election, Porrick O'Sullivan held on in Cork North Central. Um, but it just goes to show again that, as we started off with Harry, by-elections are not necessarily an accurate predictor of how uh, general elections will go. But this one is important because we're a year into this government and this is the first electoral test um, and uh, there's a lot riding on it. Yeah, it certainly will be a, a weather vane if nothing else. Well, on that note, thank you so much uh, to our guest, Professor Gary Murphy. Uh, that's all from this week's Inside Politics. Thank you also to our producer, Susan Brennan. Hugh will be back next week. In the meantime, if you want to get in touch with any thoughts or questions, you can email us at politicspodcast at irishtimes.com. Until next time, thank you very much indeed for listening. Sláin.